Hello, Beth. Hi. Hi, it's nice to meet you. You as well. And thank you for assisting at First Presbyterian Church while Sue's on her um, sabbatical. She'll be back in a couple of weeks. Um, and it's been fun to meet you and others who have been filling in for her on Sundays. I always learn something. Um, and I'm looking forward to learning from you kind of what the work is that you're doing in Justice in Action. But first, Beth, introduce yourself to our listeners, please. Yes. Um, so you, you may have um, seen me before. I um, was a guest preacher this past spring at First Pres as well. Uh, but for those who um, maybe have forgotten, I'm Reverend Beth Graverholt. I am a United Methodist pastor, um, but I am serving as an extension minister in Justice in Action, which is a coalition of over 20 faith communities in Lancaster County, Nebraska, working together to solve community problems. Um, I attended Isla School of Theology in Denver and graduated in 2021 with my uh, MDiv there. And um, before I took this position last December with Justice in Action, I was serving as the director of an outreach center here in Lincoln called Connection Point that I founded um, after college um, in partnership with Campus Ministry um, and Christ United Methodist Church, where I also served as the associate pastor for six years. Um, and bef before that, I was here at UNL getting my undergrad. And um, originally, I'm from Mankato, Kansas, which is about two and a half hours south of Lincoln. So that's me. I love it, Beth. And what an interesting journey you've been on. So um, the thing that caught my attention about your sermon was really this, you know, we're doing some things pretty well, but maybe not so much in, in the, you know, the justice for action areas. Mm -hmm. so would you please just share with me and our listeners, like, first of all, what is justice in action? Mm -hmm. You know, why is it important? You know, what are the things that, that we should be considering and engaging in? I'm just 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 enroll us in this whole thing, if you will. Okay, yeah. So like I said, Justice in Action is we are an independent nonprofit here in Lancaster County, Nebraska. And we're a coalition of 20, right now, 23 different faith communities. And we are always adding um, faith communities who are interested. And mostly being a member faith community looks like um, agreeing to work with us on the priorities that we identify and to actively participate um, in the organization. Um, so we started, um, we started organizing among pastors and clergy in 2021 and um, then brought laity on board in 2022 and trained them um, not only to, to think um, about how, how to think differently about what justice is, uh, because you know it can be a buzzword on the news, and that's not, not what we're talking about. We're talking about biblical justice, um, which in scripture looks like holding the decision makers um, accountable for the fair treatment of all people, especially the poor, the widow, and the orphan. So we're talking about um, biblical justice um, that upholds human dignity, equity, all of those things that we value as people of faith. Um, so we, we trained laity about how to think differently about justice, and then we trained them to hold listening sessions. And those um, started last fall at this time. We're now starting our second round of listening session 
sessions. And that's where we identify what the problems are in the community that we're going to address. So I don't decide what problems we'll be addressing. Our board of directors doesn't even decide what problems we'll be addressing. But we ask folks in listening sessions, um, what keeps you up at night worrying? Um, and people are invited to share their personal story in one of those listening sessions or house meetings, some people call them. Um, and then they're invited to come back um, at the beginning of November for a large event where they get to vote on which issue to address um, in the coming year. And then we start um, a process of research to go from a very big um, issue area so this past year, we worked on criminal justice and mental health um, issues. And those are huge challenges, right, in almost every community. So we started there um, and with interviews um, of local stakeholders, um, experts. And we went from a very broad problem areas to specific problem statements that are you know, describing the problem uniquely here in Lancaster County. And then from there to solutions. And then um, we bring those solutions to the decision makers in our community. Um, so in our case, typically city and county government officials. And we do that at our Nehemiah Action. That's um, typically the first week in May. Um, we, we ask them to implement those solutions. And we, um, we plan to win um, by gathering large numbers of organized people at that assembly because it's much harder to say uh, no to 1,100 or 1,500 people than it is to say no to, to one person who might be lobbying an official in their office. And so that's what makes our model a little different. And that model is based on scripture, um, the story of Nehemiah in the Old Testament, um, who, who gathered the power of organized people in this day um, to, to call for change. So. <coughs> That's sort of, yeah, that's kind of uh, the quick version of what Justice and I love this. So what um, just um, what did what did you learn when you were doing criminal justice and mental health? And were you looking at the intersection between the two or were they different things? Um, of course, we know that all all justice issues are intersecting, but and it seems especially criminal justice and mental health. Um, it was kind of uh, unavoidable that we would, you know, be in a criminal justice meeting hearing about mental health and in a mental health meeting hearing about criminal justice. Um, we did ultimately come up with separate problem and solution statements for each team. Um, although we know that if we're successful with one, it'll mean success in the, in the other for sure. Um, so what we found in our, our criminal justice side of things, um, you know, people here in Nebraska are really concerned about prison overcrowding and prisons are state institutions. Um, we are a local, we focus on local issues. So things we can control at the city or county level. Um, but the, the, the prison overcrowding really starts with what happens in cities and counties because every person in a state prison is first in a county jail. And what we found is that although our jail is only 10 years old, the building itself, and was supposed to um, be large enough, um, well-equipped enough to serve us for about 30 years when it was built, it's already at capacity. And the county just um, increased the corrections budget by a million dollars to rent out jail cells in other counties um, because our numbers are so high here. And this is 
bad for taxpayers. It costs us more money. Um, it's bad for families because it means that um, those incarcerated are further away from their loved ones. It's bad for the people that are incarcerated um, because they're more likely to lose their case if they're in jail, and especially in jail out of county, further away from their lawyers. Um, and it's bad for public safety because another thing that we found is that those who um, go to jail and serve their time there um, are about, there's, it's a, there's a 60% recidivism rate. So there's a 60% chance that they're gonna return to jail within five years. Now, if you compare that to folks that get the opportunity for diversion, which is what we're advocating for, is expanded access to um, diversion and treatment services, um, the recidivism rate for those programs is only about 20%. So our community is safer when people get the treatment um, that they need uh, because they're less likely to commit crimes in the future. And so we have been advocating for the expansion of our local diversion programs through our community corrections department. Um, and it's gonna take um, a couple different things to accomplish that. It's gonna take um, collaboration with the county attorney to expand the charges that are eligible for those types of diversion and treatment programs. And it's gonna take a financial commitment from um, the county to, to, ex to provide the staff and the resources to increase participation in those programs. Um, but um, it's a much better investment of money than a million dollars to rent out jail cells um, elsewhere in the state. The mental health side of things, um, it was really eye-opening. Um, one of the early meetings that we had, we interviewed members of the Lincoln Police Department and asked them, you know, because we, we knew that they interact with folks, obviously in the criminal justice system, but also people that are in mental health crisis. And what they told us is that almost all of the calls that they go out on are mental health related. Um, and they said, and this will stick with me, that right now they are the primary navigators of the mental health care system in our community. Um, meaning that they're often a person, a person who needs mental health care, they're often the first point of contact. And they're being asked to act essentially as a social workers um, or you know, intake specialists trying to get people to the right resources in the community um, to get their mental health needs met. Um, and I, that, that really stuck with our, our team. We have about 75 folks on our research team. And we, the solution that we want is a mental health navigation system that is not run by the police, but is run by trained professionals who um, can take a preventative approach to mental health care. Um, the new uh, 988 crisis and suicide number um, is, is, has been live since last July. And that is you know, one number you can call no matter where you are if you're in crisis or um, having suicidal thoughts. And they can get you to the crisis care that you need. We want to see the same type of system for preventative mental health care. So that if I know I need mental health care, but I'm not in crisis, which is really when I should be getting help is before the crisis, I can call one number, mm -hmm. talk to a person, or I can go on one website and put in my information, um, share my demographics, my situation, and that, that person or that website will have um, 
a well-vetted list of providers. Mm -hmm. uh, and what the well-vetted part is very important because there are plenty of websites out there that will give you mm -hmm. um, hundreds of providers in our area. But what they don't tell you or don't tell you with much accuracy is um, who they serve, uh, what conditions they serve, what insurance they take, and especially whether or not they have any openings. We kept hearing about waiting lists um, anywhere from two months to two years long um, from folks that are trying to get mental health care. And in this navigation model, um, the staff, um, which is the primary um, expenditure funding-wise, it's mostly the money that the, the city or the county would need to contribute would be mostly to hire staff who would be building relationships with agencies and providers in the community, learning about what they do and um, checking in regularly to see what openings they have um, to make sure that they can be providing good referrals and, and warm referrals for members of the community who are contacting them. Um, and we feel like that warm referral uh, system is, is really important because we know that, and I know from personal experience, that once you know you need mental health care, it's, it takes a lot of courage to pick up the phone and then to pick up the phone and not have your call answered or ever returned um, or to have to make call after call after call over a period of weeks is really discouraging. And it, some people can stick it out and get what they need, but so many more um, give up when they don't get a prompt response um, and don't get um, into the care that they need in a timely manner. And so we really want to, ch um, to change that. And we know that it has to be done at a systems wide level. We don't want just one more bandaid, you know, one more agency doing this over here separate from everything else. Um, we want it, um, we want to do something that will help this whole system become more integrated and less fragmented. Oh, wow. I don't even know where to begin other than thank you for and bless you for doing this work. It's such important work. I live in Minneapolis and uh, um, one of my clients is, is a, a county and, you know, they have police and jails and things like that. And the, the head of public health just said, he goes, I can guarantee you anybody in our jail tonight under the age of 30, if they're there because of a mental health, you know, mm -hmm. and then we put them in a bright room and, you know, cold, bright room, give them mm -hmm. lousy food and we expect them to heal and behave yeah. and, right it's just it's and then and here in minnesota you know our the head of the department of justice does want to shift from a retribution to a rehabilitation mm -hmm. kind of system and that'll that'll take a moment <laughs> um, yeah because um you know there's a lot of suffering and um And, you know, people don't, I believe that 95% of us wake up wanting to do the best we can every day. Mm -hmm. And if, if we do something that is either against the law or harm somebody else, it's because we don't have a better way than the moment. We don't have mm -hmm. better optimism. We don't have the, the resources we need. We, we don't have something, right? Mm -hmm. And so, you know, what is that something? Um, so share with um, share with us, like at First Presbyterian Church, what are some of the ways that that our community can support the wonderful work that you're doing? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So um, 
everyone in the church there at First Pres should be receiving an invitation or hearing an announcement about one of our listening sessions this fall. And that is really the first step to get involved. Um, and I have the dates and the time, a couple of dates okay. and times even. Um, so I think the first listening session there at First Pres is going to be at the church on Sunday, September 24th at 1115 uh, a.m. And there will be another one same time um, at the church on October 15th. Um, and there may be there might be at least one more. Um, that is going on if you can't make either of those. But um, folks should watch for an invitation or an announcement about those listening sessions and then attend and tell, tell your story, um, share. Uh, we'll be asking how are you affected by our current issues, mental health and criminal justice reform. And we'll also be asking that open-ended question again, you know, what keeps you up at night worrying? Um, because we're open to adding a third issue to address in the coming year. And so that, that's really open-ended and folks can share whatever it is that they're concerned about um, in their own lives and in the community. So that is um, definitely the first step. Uh, fall is the best time to jump on board. And when you're at one of those house meetings, um, the final invitation is to help be part of the solution, right? So you've shared your story, you've heard stories from others, um, and then you'll be asked, would you like to become a network member? Which means, would you like to help continue this work and build our people power so that we can solve these big problems? Um, and so if folks want to be part of making, uh, making a difference and being the solution, um, I'd invite them to become network members. And then um, what that means is that they attend our four major events throughout the year, the Community Problems Assembly, where we vote on what issues we're gonna address and hear updates on our current ones. The rally, where we get uh, briefed on the solutions and what to expect at the Nehemiah Action. Um, we want them, of course, the big one is the Nehemiah Action. And then the celebration in the summer where we, where we celebrate. So come to four events, invite three people to, with you, to come with you to the Nehemiah Action, because that's how we really build our, our people power, is by having um, the folks that we know and invite others to that action. And then we say, so it's four, three, two, one, is how we're describing a network member. The two is that we ask folks to consider um, a $200 investment in this work. Um, it's not required at all, but that's if you can't participate in any other way, or if you have participated and the work is meaningful to you, um, we invite you to invest financially. And then one, just to, to, to remain united with just the rest of justice in action and speak out as one voice for justice in Lancaster County. That's what a network member does, and that's the best way to get involved. I love that. Four, three, two, one. Attend yes. four open house Events, yeah. Events, bring three people to the Nehemiah action. Yeah, and invest. Um, uh, invest two hundred dollars if you're able, and yeah. then um, speak as one voice. Yeah, part of justice in action. I love that. I think that's a mic drop, Beth. So Beth, thank you so much for taking yes. the time. And I learned so much. I know the other listeners, you know, are as well. And really, thank you for doing the important work you are. It's really important. Yes, thank you. And thank you for doing this for First Pres. It's a cool thing. So. Thank you so much. I hope to see you in person someday. Yes. Yeah, that'd be great. Have a good day. Bye.
Thanks for joining us at First Presbyterian Church, where faith is nurtured, curiosity encouraged, diversity welcomed, and all are loved. Find out more about us at fpclincoln.org. We did it, Beth. You did a great job. 